0: Organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book, you are in the right place. At the right
1: time to learn how to write your book.
0: Hi, I'm Joyce Glass.
1: And I'm Sherry Lynn Bisbono and welcome to the Right Hour Nonfiction Tips from the Right Coach Team. We are so glad you joined us today.
0: Welcome to episode 903 of the Right Hour. Today, we continue sharing how to grow your audience on social media. Erin Sanchez shares how to create a killer bio. Bios are important because they're a way for people to get an idea of who you are, learn something about you, and your personality. Erin is a writer, speaker, and brand strategist, helping leaders and high achievers grow their audience, authority, and income through strategic storytelling. Her blog, candleyaren.com, is dedicated to providing actual advice for individuals and businesses who want to tell better stories and share them with the world. When she's not reading or writing, you can find Erin in her garden, the gym, or hanging out with her husband and four dogs. Learn more about Erin in the show notes. This episode is sponsored by How to Build Your Audience on Twitter with Keith Keller and the Write Coach team. If you're writing a book, the time to grow your audience is now, before, during, and after you write your book. Don't make the mistake I did and wait till you are finished writing. It's too late, or you'll need to delay releasing your book to grow your audience. Learn the four easy and actionable strategies on how to grow your audience. Use the discount code for you to receive $10 off and learn more at the link in the show notes. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The Write Hour. We are so excited for this season because as we've been talking, writers need to be building their audience, and one of the ways that we can do that is making sure you're bios on your social media are in great condition you want to make it interesting for people right Erin that's right yeah so we have Erin Sanchez with us today and Sherilyn is too hi I made it <laughs> yes she made it she's finally feeling a little better so Aaron, tell us a little bit about you and your journey to becoming a writer
2: Yeah, well, first of all, thank you both for having me on the show. It was a journey to get here. We've had to reschedule a couple times. That's on me. But thank you so much for having me on. Um, My journey to becoming a writer is kind of the cliche. I've always loved writing. You know, I think most writers are like that. We've loved it since, you know, childhood. And I... I wrote a short story and won an award when I was a kid. And I think Mm -hmm. that just kind of like confirmed everything for me. I was like, yeah, I can do this. I'm good at this. And so I just kind of pursued it, you know, throughout school. And and when I did go to college, I went into like marketing and communications. And so it's always been part of my life and part of who I am. And the journey to becoming a, a writer who gets paid for their writing was a whole nother story. But The short version is, you know, I went into corporate to do marketing and I thought it was my dream job, you know, shiny, tall tower in a downtown, beautiful city and all of this. And then I realized, well, you know, a lot of this corporate marketing stuff is not really using my creativity. It's not really writing. It's kind of being a paper pusher. It's a glorified receptionist. I started doing some research into What it would look like? What what is a freelance writer? What is a copywriter? And kind of like learning all those those different avenues. And I started doing some freelancing. I'll pause there so that I don't just ramble. But um, that's ultimately kind of what started me down the path.
1: Awesome. So marketing it comes in handy as a writer. (laughs) And so tell us briefly about some of the books you've published.
2: So, I actually, well, this is a not yet. I have so many books inside of me. The books that I have actually written and helped write are ones that I've ghostwritten for clients. So I can't Ooh. unfortunately name which which those titles are because of the confidentiality around it. But it's definitely something that's been on my bucket list for a long time. I have lots of um, different topics outlined and ready to go, but it's a matter of, as I'm sure you both know, when you write professionally and you're helping other people with their writing, yes. finding the time to write your own. So. Yes,
1: we totally yeah.
0: understand that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is a balancing act. So. Yes, well, how did you learn to write a killer bio?
2: Yeah. So writing, I think, you know, one trial and error for sure, mm-hmm. just kind of like going and, and changing it up and seeing what kind of things people were reaching out to me for. that That's one piece of it. Another piece is really learning the essentials of copywriting mm-hmm. is really, really important for writing a bio because you have to keep it really Short, you know, concise and clear, but it also has to be compelling. And how do you do that in just a few words? And right. so when you look at things like taglines or, you know, opt in subject lines and things like that, those are really good sort of training grounds, I think, for understanding what makes a good bio. Because mm-hmm. a bio is not just about telling people. Hey, this is what I like or this is who I am. It's really about telling them this is why I'm the right person for you. Right. So everything we do um in business is ultimately about about our customer, not about us. So
0: Right. So
1: Erin. Killer bios. uh, I've read so many bios and some some of them weren't killer. They killed me. (laughs) 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 So they were lacking some ingredients in that bio. Tell our listeners what is exactly needed in a bio.
2: Yeah, so a bio should tell people first and foremost like of course it should say what you do, mm-hmm. but it should always be written in a way that tells the reader whether what you do is for them. So who are you speaking to, right? So um whether you call that out um in plain language like hey, I help writers who focus on business systems or you can say that, you know, writers who focus on business systems or whatever, right? You can say that in that way, or you can say it sort of in, with a, an undertone of that you focus on. I think in the blog post that you shared on, on Twitter, I, I mentioned like saying you help people with like their diet to help with like gestational diabetes or something. And then pregnant women know, obviously you're the coach for them, right? So right. there's a, a couple different ways to do that. But the ingredients you must have is, you know, what do I do? And who do I do that for, mm-hmm. right? right? And then, and then that credibility piece—like, what makes me the right person or a credible person to help you with this?
0: Right, and I think that's the hard part for some writers, and because that's what we're teaching in our course, Right Now Book Bootcamp, is knowing who that reader is. You got to know who your reader is so that you can talk to them, even in your bio. Absolutely. And if you don't know who you're targeting, then you're going to struggle with that piece. Mm -hmm. And then that's what I've told the people in the class is it may evolve too as over time, mine has changed over time who I'm Mm -hmm. helped with um, writing books because Mm -hmm. the more I do it, the more I see who I enjoy working with Mm -hmm. and what comes more naturally to me. What's more interesting And like with any job, you know, not every project is going to be the most interesting, but you want as many of them as you can. And so you definitely need to know who you're talking to. I like that piece. So what should they leave out of their bios? You've got first review real quick, the ingredients to go in a bio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what you do,
2: who you do that for, and then what makes you, you know, credible service provider or, or if you're not, a, most of my, my clients are service providers, but right. um, what makes you credible in what you do? So
0: what, who, and what you do. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are things that they need to leave out of their bio?
2: Yeah. Anything that's really generic and trite. So for example, when you see people say, you know, I'm a marketing maven or whatever, and hey, I've been guilty of this, you know. Like I said, trial and error. So I'm not, right. I'm not calling anyone out. But it's it's things like that that are not specific, right? What What does that mean to be a marketing maven?
0: Right. You know, everybody That's cool, but what what does it really mean, right?
2: Exactly. And if you want to have something like that, and you have space for it, this is why it's so important to leave those things out. Is you probably don't have space for it, right? You want to catch people's attention, it has to be short. There's limited characters on a lot of platforms. If there's space for it and you love it, okay, fine. But make sure that you are being more specific as well, like marketing maven for blah, 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 doing X, Y, Z, right? So anything that's that's kind of trite or cliche like that, I, I tend to advise people to leave out You know, hyperbole yes, we want to toot our own horn. Yes, we want to tell people like, you know, we're great and there's no shame in doing that. But definitely make sure that you're not kind of, it's going to sound like you're just one of those cheesy online marketers or, you yeah. know, um, it'll kind of turn people off, I think. And then they'll actually trust you less. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we, we should put our awards in there, shouldn't we? Like if we have writing awards or awards. Absolutely. But not awards that don't pertain to the job that we're doing at the moment. I mean, I mean, how far should we go with that? How far should we go with tooting our horn?
2: Yeah, I think as long as like relevance is always key, like, is Mm -hmm. this relevant to what I do? Is this relevant to what people need to learn from me, whether they trust me or not, you know, is it building trust? Or is it just, like, even for me, having won that award, you know, in second grade or whatever, I wouldn't put that on there now because that's not really relevant. It, it can be part of my bigger story, but it's, you know, right. it doesn't belong in the bio, right? right? So what's relevant to the here and now? Absolutely. So any of those writing awards.
1: Awesome. So what I see a lot is, like my bio says, uh, Lynn Bisbano lives in Rhode Island with her 18-year-old son and her husband of 21 years, and she fondly calls them her (laughs) M&Ms. Now, is that not something you would put in a bio? I mean, how personal do you get? I know Joyce has something similar in her bio as well, but that's on our Facebook page, right? I mean, on 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 our website. So how personal do you get in a bio?
2: Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. That is such a great question, because there are different kinds of bios, right? So if you're talking about, especially for your audience, maybe the jacket of a book, or, you know, your website about page, you can start to get a lot more personal and add some of those fun details that help people get to know you. Um, I think about it as there's kind of two different kinds, at least two different kinds of bios, right? There's mm-hmm. like your Twitter bio, your LinkedIn bio, like those few words, that sentence or or those little blurbs that you're trying to communicate to people as soon as they land on one of your social media profiles. Now, if you want to dive in and get to know someone better, like you go read their about page or the jacket of their book, I'm a huge fan of getting personal because then you start to build that connection with people where they start to get to know you as a person. So I do the same thing and and I tend to in, infuse some humor into my writing. And so people always comment on the fact that I say, I reside, this is an example, I reside in the Seattle area with my four dogs, five chickens and one husband. And people are always <laughs> like, oh, just the one husband, right? So I think, you know, when it I shows, that. <laughs> thank you, when it shows personality, when it, when it gives them a little insight and taste into your personal life, you know, where you have space to do that is great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I say I'm a lover of Jesus and chocolate on a couple of my bags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I get comments about like, that's an interesting combination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Instead of Christ, turning water into wine. Christ, <laughs>
1: I have Christ, chocolate, coffee, and cats. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about your writing time. Do you write on a consistent basis? Do you write daily? Do you have certain times that you write?
2: Hmm. I write All the time. Some of that time, (laughs) all the time. Some of that time is for myself. Some of that time is for clients. So the first thing I do, actually, when I wake up, you know, you said the magic word there, coffee. Um, I brew my coffee. I'm a creature of habit. First of all, because I like to be. And secondly, because I think it just really helps when you run a business to have routines and habits. Mm -hmm. So I have my coffee, I have peanut butter toast, and that's like every single day. That's what I have. And I sit down with my journal and I write at least two pages. And... That is a practice that I've been doing for the past few years, primarily as a weight. as you both know, I'm sure when you're running a business, there's so much mindset work to do. There's so many ideas in your head. You've got to do brain dumps and emotional dumps and all that stuff. So I started journaling. It's something I do, like I said, every single morning. So that's one piece. I definitely am a more creative writer in the mornings I find and I start to get more distracted later in the day so I try to do a lot of that heavy lifting in the morning and then yeah (laughs) yeah I hear that a lot and then it's like late at night I start to get inspired again but now that I'm getting older I'm like I can't really stay up and do that like I used to (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that gets harder so yeah, that, that's kind of like how I spend my own writing time. I also spend a day trying to work on like my blog content and mm-hmm. articles to pitch to media and things like that. And then the rest of my time is kind of between marketing and other tasks is um, writing for clients. Yeah.
0: I like that Todd Herman's 90 day year program. Mm. And he talks about blocking and tackling, which uh, that is one thing is he said, give each day like a theme. And that really helped me manage my time better. So Mondays and Fridays are for me days, unless just something comes up like today, somebody had to reschedule their podcast too. So you're not the only one (laughs) um, to tomorrow. And my day's relatively flexible tomorrow. So I'm like, that's fine. And it actually helped me out today. But then I have Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are days that I meet with clients. I'm editing and working on the podcast. And like Mm -hmm. today, we're doing interviews. I'm visual. If I put those blocks of time out on my calendar, it's much easier to manage my time and projects that way. So I like that idea. Yeah, I'm
2: the same way with the visual. uh, I'm just like you. And and it's funny because I think when you and I spoke the first time around, Joyce, um, mm -hmm. I said the same thing. I don't do. I don't schedule calls on Mondays and Fridays because of, and I didn't take Todd Herman's program. So I guess, Hey, look, I'm a genius too, just like Todd. But, um, but I do love the, um, having those theme days and I'm starting to move in that direction for my mm-hmm. podcast as well, as well, where I just do all the recordings. Cause if there's just an interruption, especially as writers, when there's interruptions, you cannot get anything done because you have to spend time getting into right. the writing mode, right. And getting into your content. So, right. Right. Yeah,
0: I love that. Well, and that's the other thing he talks about is context switching. And if you have those dedicated days, then you know, okay, I'm not going to be interrupted. I can do this. Or if I am interrupted for not long, I can hop back to it because you're in that mindset. Uh, right. Okay. This is what I'm working on. And I'm, I'm one of these, and I don't know if it's called part of the ADD or what, but when I my husband calls me a freight train. When I get going a direction, it's <laughs> am slow to get going that direction. But when I'm get going that direction, you better hightail it out of my way because <laughs> I'll get it done. And I want to. I hate uh, that. I hate to stop something when I'm not quite done with it yet. That for I, sure that drives me crazy. Where some people love to bounce around, which actually is not as effective for you. So right. if you are that, that's that context switching where you like spend 15 minutes on one thing, then you check your social media and then you go back to it or you go to something else. And by the end of the day, you may or may have not got anything done. Right. And I'm guilty of that because I've, I, I there's sometimes that I get sucked in to Twitter or wherever <laughs> and I'm like, oh, i got stuff to do. What in the world am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, three hours later, how does that
2: happen? (laughs) The time escapes you so quickly when you work in that way, because I'm guilty of the same thing. And, and probably anyone who runs a business and does marketing on social media comes across this, which is you go to social media to promote something or to post something about that you're supposed to be posting for work. You end up scrolling 20 minutes later, you go, what am I doing? So you close out of it. And then you go, wait a second, I was on there to do something for work. I got to go back in. I've done I that
0: you. so many times. I, terrible. I do. I do that all the time. I think I even did it today. I was going to send a message. I don't know. I don't think it was to you. It, to, it may have been to Sherilyn. I don't know, to somebody. And I got on there and I responded to a couple of things. I went, and I got out and I went, oh, shoot, I actually got on there. doing this? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? so, it happens. Oh, yeah. It's not perfect, but you just got to try and the the themes and the blocking time has really helped so that's a good yes um, good point yeah. well what words of advice and encouragement do you have for new writers or someone maybe who's struggling to write their book
2: yeah i think you know a couple of things and i think you'll you'll both appreciate this given the business you're in you know i think first and foremost go get outside your own head and speak Mm -hmm. with somebody else. You know, if you need a springboard, if you need feedback, whatever, you know, sometimes you just need somebody to like pour your ideas out to and say them out loud so that you can kind of work through them. Like that is so invaluable to me as a writer, you know, just getting outside my own head. So that's, you know, probably the first thing I would say. The second would be just, and this is kind of like, Advice I need to take myself because I'm the kind of person who writes and kind of like edits as I go and wants it to be perfect as I'm writing it. And I always Mm -hmm. really struggled with the rough draft. I always struggled with that. And it's something that I've been working very intentionally to overcome, which is just get the ideas on paper, no matter how sloppy, how terrible, just write them out, go back and edit later. Because if you spend too much time crafting as you go and really trying to make it sound how you want, it's just not going to work. You're not, you're going to lose your train of thought. Mm -hmm. You're you're going to spend all of your energy just making one paragraph look beautiful instead of just getting as many words as you can and as many ideas as you can on paper. So if you struggle with that, really, really practice just free writing and, Mm -hmm. and being okay and leaving alone the messy stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah so yes. we, we highly recommend that too. So we're like 100% woohoo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yay. Because and like you said, the other thing that people got to remember too, you're slowing down your writing, you're slowing down your creativity. And mm-hmm. if you do that too much, it also can give you, you know, make you discouraged and then you stop writing mm-hmm. um, because you're trying to make it perfect before it needs to be. Mm-hmm, and right. so we um, have this, a group of people in the write my book bootcamp course that we talked about. And two of them started doing this every morning, which I think is, it is great. If that works for you before they get out of bed, they have prompts that they've given themselves. They will type up however many words for 15 minutes and email it to themselves so that they get on their phone and so before they even get out of bed there while well, you're you know, your mind is still and quiet and you're kind of waking up, mm-hmm. they write and it's working for them. I mean, one lady, she's at 20,000 words and oh my like, gosh, I'm ready to, she goes, I want to go and put it in Scrivener and get it all pretty. She goes, but I'm going to wait and do a little bit more before I do that. And I said, that's great. So it's one of those things you got to figure out what works for you. You know? Yes. Yeah.
2: Wow. That's, that's impressive because my brain is not functioning before coffee, but I do the same thing often at late at night. You know, I was saying my creativity kind of starts to pick back up late at night. And so yes. I don't, and, and, and I don't want to bring my whole laptop to bed, but I'll just have like uh, the notepad on my, my iPhone and I'll start mm-hmm. writing on there sometimes. And then you don't realize I feel like there's something to be said for, for writing in that way because you're not editing and making it perfect as you go because okay. you're quote unquote just taking notes. But then you realize how much amazing content, you know, if you if I'll, I'll copy paste it, email it to myself and realize how many words I wrote just laying there kind of letting the thoughts flow. Yeah, that's great. I love that she's doing that.
0: Yes. Well, okay. So besides free writing, do you have anything else to help them with?
2: i mean i think the the journaling piece like a lot of my clients who who aren't even writing clients i mean they do a lot of writing often my clients are people who you know are writing their own books or or they're trying to write better content for you know for their social media kind of build a mm-hmm. personal brand or whatever i tell them i encourage them to journal because for me you start journaling about I find it funny when people say, I don't know what to journal about. And I'm like, oh my God, I was called, there's a, there's a poem, a children's poem called Twaddle Talk Tuck. And my family called me Twaddle Talk Tuck because when I was growing up, because I talked so much. So I'm like, I never run out of things to say or to write about. (laughs) So it boggles my mind when people say they don't know what
1: to journal. about. That's
0: a weird situation (laughs) for me too. I think
1: journaling is so important. I, it, journaling almost like clears your brain sometimes. Yes. And what I did was I started a journal on Blogger, and it started becoming my blog posts, which turned into a book that's getting published this October. Oh, that's so, amazing! So it's you know you never know. I t- not not all of my deepest darkest thoughts right. are in the <laughs> book, <laughs> um,
0: but it, it it's it's healing as well. Mm-hmm. Journaling is healing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I started writing was journaling too. Um, yeah,
2: that that's exactly it. I didn't mean to interrupt you Joyce. I'm sorry, but that's, that's exactly it. It's like you start journaling, you're just pouring feelings or, or stresses or whatever it is that you want to just put on paper. And before you know it, and I don't know if you two can relate, but I often feel like my writing kind of Writes itself, right? So, like mm-hmm. the ideas just start writing themselves, and so yes. I think that's why journaling is so important because you're just pouring everything out. It doesn't have to make sense; just let yourself go. Right. And when you do that, you're going to discover so many things about yourself. You're going to discover so many ideas you didn't know were there. I'm not a psychologist or anything, but I feel like you kind of tap into the subconscious sometimes when yes, you just you let it all out. You do, you
0: do. Yeah. And they also, as you're talking, I just realized you're exercising your brain on that writing skill. For sure. And because even that free write, that gets your brain in the mode of, okay, I'm going to share my thoughts out on paper or or type them on the computer, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it exercises that writing muscle. And it is a writing muscle that a lot of writers don't think about. And this is something I try to encourage people with as athlete. They have to go and exercise to strengthen themselves to do their, whatever their sport is. Mm -hmm. Well, our sport is writing and you still need to exercise that muscle. Journaling helped me in that same sense. I, when I stayed home with my son after he was born, I went from working full time going 90 miles an hour. I had been working in daycares for seven years and then I had a receptionist job for a while and then we moved after he was born. And so I stayed home with him. And my mind was like going crazy. Like, I got to have something to do. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and right. so there was a lot of Oprah and self development books. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started journaling because that was one of them. Um, Sarah Von Brecknock, or I can't even remember how I say her name, she wrote a book about journaling. And so that really inspired me to start doing that and that's really what's good what jump-started my writing is like journaling these thoughts i'm like "Hmm, i really like this wonder if i could write a book you know and i started doing some short stories with a writing group so definitely journaling is excellent idea well i love that so journaling and free writing have a killer bio yes i would also say and i think you would agree look at the different platforms because as we're talking about through this whole season nine is each platform is kind of like their own planet and you've got to know yes what kind of bio to put on each one yes to make sure it's appropriate yeah you wouldn't have
1: the same bio for linkedin that you would have for twitter
2: no I, that's such a good point i'm so glad you brought yeah, that really up. really because- good point joyce yeah, you, you do want to make sure that you're you're optimizing your bio for the audience who's on each platform, and and as you two know, and you probably you're on Twitter, probably mostly, I'm, I'm just going to guess because that's where so many writers hang out. And so what you're going to say there on on that bio and to those writers who are either, you know, fiction writers or self publishers or whoever they may be, I see a lot of those, you know, those type of people on there mm-hmm. is going to be different than right how you're going to present yourself, like Sherry Lynn said, on LinkedIn, right. um, where you might be speaking to a different type of author someone who's active on there is, is a little different so yeah mm-hmm. super important to get to know your audience which goes back to that who are you writing to right of course mm-hmm. your ideal client should be the same person on every platform but the way you communicate on those platforms mm-hmm. is going to depend
1: on right Definitely. who's hanging out yeah Definitely. Well, great information great information
0: yes huh. this is wonderful aaron thank you and we appreciate it oh yeah. no thank you We'll stay in touch. Take care. Yes, absolutely. You too.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the right hour. Our goal is to help you achieve your writing dreams. You are one step closer to write your book. Learn how to get the book out of your head with the four steps we teach our clients. Sign up for the free email series at therightcoach.biz. The link is in the show notes.
0: The four steps help you clarify your focus, create and organize your content, and complete your book. We share tips on the writing process, and you can download the writing planner to track your progress.
1: Don't let fear and overwhelm keep you from writing your book.
0: It's time to write your book.